Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. Hey, DB peeps. It's episode 62, Ice Cream for Eye Cream. Yay! <laughs> I really do scream for ice cream, but I also scream for eye cream. I so, scream for eye cream. Um, yeah, you're like our in-house uh, guru when it comes to eye creams, I think. I mean, I can just speak from my experience and my obsessions. Yes. Well, we've, we've, we've mentioned this a couple times in past episodes, so it's about damn time that we got to it in like an actually focused yeah. episode. So today we're going to be drinking a 2016 Gerberas Garnacha from Spain, and it's from Aragon, Spain. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. Aragon, Aragon. I'm not sure. Yeah. So I'm going to crack this open. Do it. Sarah, we are going to... So the reason we paired this bottle with our topic is because there is a beautiful picture of a lovely lady and her eye is bright red on one side and on the other side is the Gerbera Daisy, which is what the wine's named after. But we thought that, you know, since we're focusing on eye creams, why not have this beautiful, clean face... I think that she doesn't look like she needs eye cream. She does. No, of course she doesn't. She's fucking photoshopped. I think that her eyeball actually either has a Gerber Daisy in it or a person. I'm not sure. I can't tell. It looks like a violin, actually. Everyone should look it up so you can kind of see what this (laughs) bottle looks like. So now you'll know why we paired this. We'll see what we think about it. So cheers, bitch. Cheers. This. Picture, the picture is a delicate flower. This is not a delicate flower. No, actually, this is a lot better than I expected. This, <laughs> you were Sarah, right. Sarah's like, I'm not sure that this is going to be a great wine. Well, in <laughs> but, all fairness, it's an under $10 bottle of wine. Yeah, you found it like in like the hot spot. Yeah, and I'm usually not a huge fan of Spanish wine. This is also so true. So, I mean, I was kind of really skeptical. Y- you didn't have high hopes I was for a this. skeptical hippo. Yeah. What did you say? A skeptical hippo? Have you ever seen that? Oh my God. Everybody get online and look up the picture of the skeptical hippo. It's hilarious. Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> okay. No. Oh, homework. Okay. Yeah. This is actually super fragrant. I'm actually going to post it up on our Instagram. Skeptical yep. hippo. <laughs> Excuse me. Yes, you should. So I'm sorry I coughed because like I do get like a pepperiness like to the the on the nose. It's it's totally peppery in the taste. Yes, it's both. Yeah, it's good. It's, um, it's, it's good. a deep. It's I mean it's not. It's oh, darker than I would opaque. expect for a Grenache. Well, so okay, so Garnacha and Grenache are the same grape, but it's actually from like the origin of this grape is in Spain. Mm-hmm. And it is known as Garnacha there. It's known as Garnache. It's also known as like some other weird name with a C. But that is way, way like not popular, not common. Okay. So that's why I don't, I didn't even bother to write it down. So although it's originated in Spain, they actually grow more of this in France now. I believe it. Yeah, because it's a huge component of Chateauneuf to Pop. And the GSM blend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason they use that, it's so it's one of the most widely planted grapes in the world, actually. Which is Which crazy. is amazing because you often don't hear about it. Right. But I think it is a common blending grape. Oh, my God. Yeah. I like I'm actually this. really liking it. Also, I read in uh, one of my books, like, you're supposed to decant Grenache for, like, Oops. a half an hour. I don't decant. That. I don't think this a is A $10 necessary. or less bottle of wine. No offense. 
That's, I'm sure, none taken. Um, it is really pretty, but I feel like there's like a floral, there's a floral aroma mm-hmm. here too, but you also get that white pepper on the top. I feel like I'm getting a little like red delicious apple, like red delicious skin. Like there's, okay, well, yeah, we're eating apple here that. too. Yeah. Oh, I like this. I like this. What up? We got this at Thief Wine, if anyone's in Milwaukee. Yeah, on the bottom of their like under $10 rack. Yeah, they have a whole one that's like just for red wines and a whole one that's for whites. And they sometimes it's, it's, I mean, it's hit or miss, let's be honest. So what else about Grenache? It's one of the most widely planted. It is medium body, typically has a bit of a higher alcohol content. Yes. Do you know why? No, tell me this. Because I learned about this when I was looking all this up. There's a long ripening process, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. the sugars and the grapes reach really high levels, and they're some of the last to be harvested because of their long ripening process, yeah. so that is why they usually have substantial alcohol levels. That explains it, although it's interesting because Zinfandel is also one of those grapes yeah. that's like that, but Zinfandel is like a much meatier, heavier just wine, too. use that word, meatier. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Great mind, Sarah. Great I know. Minds. Also, the, it's popular in Australia too. Yes. It was the first, one of the first wines to be introduced to Australia in the 18th century. And it was the most widely planted. And then it was surpassed by Shiraz. Well, it's funny because they also are very well known for their GSM blends. So Mm -hmm. Grenache, Shiraz, and Mouvedre. And then also depending on where you grow it, depends on kind of the, the notes that you get. So if you, the French Grenache, you're going to get more like dried oregano and tobacco notes on that. Whereas you'll get more fruitier notes in the New World wines. Oh. Okay, okay. So do you want to learn a little bit of Spain? History? Are you can <clears throat> tell me history lesson? <clears throat> a little bit. Not Yay. a lot of it. Um, a little bit. So one of the, what uh, the wine Bible equates as the Chateauneuf de Pop equivalent in Spain is this little region. Uh, they're separate denominations of origin. Southeast of Rioja. And there's Calatayud. Okay. Yeah, Calatayud and Campo de Borja. Okay. Um, these are very well known. Those are like the equivalents of Chasseneuf de Pop region. Okay. So they make some really amazing Grenache, Garnacha, excuse me. And they have a very, very high altitude. And it says that they look like they could be in the U.S. state of Nevada. So I guess if you're familiar with Nevada, just picture that and you're, you're just about what we're talking about here. Um, 50 years ago, it says there were 10 times as much vineyard acreage in Calatayud as as there is today and considerably more in Campo de Borja as well. So what Um, happened? So the government, I'm sorry, the EU, the European Union actually offered growers a lot of freaking money if they were willing to pull up their vineyards. Now it's unclear why, like it doesn't say here in the wine Bible why that is. But so that is, like, it had to be a real generous offering for them to actually go up and pull up their livelihood, especially when they were making really solid wines. So these Grenaches, or Grenaches, of these two locations, these two DOs in Spain, are not delicate or restrained, she says. Black, dense, chewy, and lip-smacking. They have irresistible, big thrusts, sounds very sexual, of kirschberry. Yeah, wow. Kirschberry fruit, minerals, and spice. What, what is Kirschberry? What is Kirschberry? I'm not sure. Okay, 
Karen McNeil, we need to know. What I don't know. Describe it in things that we know. So anyway, uh, those are super hot spots. It's a Danish cherry. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting comparison for a Spanish wine, if, I'm, if I do say so myself. Yeah, it's not Danish. All right. That's a gr- those are great regions. This is from Aragon, which I don't know where that falls on the map. Oh, but I can tell you. Can you tell us? It's, um, well, I can actually show you. Okay. It's a little bit like right on the, like, looks like the northeast side. Okay. So this, so it's probably not the same area. No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, if you're shopping for some garnacha and want to try a real treat and want to stray from the French wines, uh, try Calatayud or um, Campo de Borja garnacha. Interesting. Yeah. So specifically about um, this one, the vineyards are 30 years old. They're macerated for three to four days and then fermented in stainless steel tanks. Are they aged at all? It doesn't say. In oak? It, it does not say. This is um, that if the, it's not aged, that's some good spice on the on the mm-hmm. just on the grape itself. Yeah, they're freestanding vines and chalky soil. Mm. Uh, so you know, that's kind of cool. The Aragon region also has some influence from the Cantabrian Sea and the Mediterranean Sea. Okay, which is because there's a dry wind that is from the pressure difference between those two seas. So I guess that helps. This wind helps with the temperature in the summer nights and the freezes in the winter. Awesome. So uh, like Aragon has some of the oldest vineyards that date back to 1145. What? Yeah. Wait, they actually have vineyards that are that old? I guess so. Shit. And their wines are characterized by their balanced, crisp fruit flavors, energy, and personality. I do feel like this is a very energetic wine in my mouth. And <laughs> what would you pair this it's with? It's those big thrusts that uh, Karen McNeil is talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I actually, maybe it's the bachelorette party, like still like working its way off of me from this past weekend. But I was going to say, I feel like this is really, it's very cherry heavy. And I could be skewed because I just ate a bunch of cherries before I came over. Okay. But it's like dark cherries, not like the bright, like the lighter ones. I don't know what they're called. Like not the ones that look more like a gala apple. These look more like yeah, a dark red. The lighter ones apple. are usually more sour. Okay, that would be why I like buying the dark ones. But what would you pair this with, food wise? Food wise, it could, you know, as we talked about in the last episode, it could pair well with a little, little hint of spice. And I don't mean like hot, like. I'm going to eat a habanero pepper. I think that would be a very bad choice. This, I think, would be really good with, like, maybe, um, I want to think of some sort of game. Like, um, I want to say, like, venison or something. Hmm. I actually wanted to say duck, to be honest, which is weird to me. What would you pair it with? I think some, like, stewed meat would be good. Like you said, duck. Stewed meat. Stewed meat. I think some different cheeses, like... Maybe like what wine wouldn't go with cheese? That is so true. Why am I even saying that? <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it like that. No, I mean the thing is like there are certain cheeses that will pair yeah, much well, better with certain mm-hmm. wines. As I think, like an Asiago would do well with this. I don't oh, know. actually, that could be nice because I feel like the spice in the wine would be cut a little bit by like the salty nature of Asiago, if you will. Okay, right? Yeah, I think that that could pair really well. So a couple other interesting facts about Grenache before we get into our eye creams. Yes. 
There's 12,000 acres of Grenache vineyards in China, apparently. Dude, China China Mm -hmm. has an absurd amount of vineyards. I just read that book, Around the World in 80 Wines. China is booming and apparently actually has decent wine. We'll see. Um, There's one winery responsible for the Grenache in the United States, Tablas Creek, who had worked with someone in Chateauneuf-du-Pop since 1989 to bring cuttings of those uh, wine grapes to America. Oh, so that shit's So they're basically responsible for the United States planting of Grenache. Um, And then, back in the 17th century, those from Burgundy were actually blending some Grenache from their own region into their Pinot Noir (gasps) to give it a little more oomph. Now, that was before it was illegal. Oh, sure. But I was just going to say, that sounds like my cup of Pinot Noir. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Because I feel like it would add that body and just extra oomph to it. Oh, yeah. That sounds so good. Lastly, Mm -hmm. Grenache acreage is declining. Around the world? Yes. Because, uh, like, I guess in the 70s, 80s, it was around 800,000 acres. And there's a reduction probably because there's more low-quality wine, which is produced with high-yield grapes like Grenache and Sinso. So... Yeah, that's yeah. a problem. I mean, we've talked about this before with Merlot, how people just tended to overplant shit. Mm-hmm. And that's when they don't care about quality. They care about quantity. And it's like, you shouldn't do that for yeah. so many reasons. Your crap is just going to be like shit. And then that's when they have to start adding all that nonsense to it. I so, don't know. You can thank Wine Folly for the surprising facts about Grenache. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Oh, mm-hmm. So, like our lady on our label. She must be using some eye. amazing She's probably using cream. some amazing eye cream. Mm-hmm. Tell me. Well, first of all, why are we talking about eye cream? It is a, it is a trend, a beauty trend, which I think we're sure. going to talk a little bit about. But I've been obsessed with eye cream for many years. <laughs> like, I don't really have any other, like, huge beauty things that I'm totally obsessed with. But eye cream Eye cream is one, one of them. What is, sorry, I'm going to ask you this and put you on the yeah. spot. <clears throat> what is the most amount of money you've spent on an eye cream? Like 50 bucks. Oh, that's not bad. Bucks. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm also a little bit cheap about it. I was going to say, some of these things are astronomical. Yeah, no, I think that's ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to get a sense because if we're talking like going to a range of like 100 plus for an eye cream, I'm just like, really? No. No, I probably the most I've spent maybe close to 70, but I don't even think that much. And so I guess, so that's something that's interesting because, and I have to say, there is a huge trend, right? Um, There's a a massive trend, I think, in the industry from like what I could tell. I think this market research was conducted back in 2014. And so it could have been 2012 actually data. Okay. So they were really projecting forecasts for 2014 to 2022. And what they were seeing already on the rise was a huge shift towards skincare products. I don't know if this was with the advent of more social media platforms and readily available on like YouTube and people starting to go through and doing demonstrations, you know, you know, demos on how to do your makeup or what have you. Um, But they did see that that globally had the largest increase in the market with skin and sun care. And think about it. Skincare, oftentimes, and maybe you have any some thoughts about this, but a lot of skincare products now are starting to contain SPF, 
mm-hmm. or some of those which pr- is um, important. Yeah, exactly. And so we we see that a lot. Um, makeup is still up there, but we're seeing that sort of there's a there's a bit of a shift where I think probably like earlier in like the 50s, 60s, you'd see more like on like the fragrance side. That's like really coming at the bottom of the barrel here. Well, I think people are more invested in anti-aging mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. they ever have been. But I think that some of that is from like the Photoshop world yeah. that we live in. And everyone wants to look younger and younger. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you kind of see like the, these beauty products that are constantly being marketed. And like you said, you know, we're having more of a focus on what's natural and, you know, what doesn't have all the chemicals and so we'll talk a little bit about that yeah but I really think you know I wanted to talk about this because I feel like there's so many out there yes and there I've are. tried a lot <laughs> but like you have to kind of it's a lot of marketing and you could say that about a lot of the products that are out there whether it be hair products or you know facial cream or lipstick like oh my god there's so much so how do you sort through it all there is um, so much and the other thing, so yes, I really like sort of like your segue going into this. Um, I just want to shock everybody with a number. Okay, go. <clears throat> so the global cosmetics market is expected to reach, wait for it, $429.8 billion by 2022. Billion dollars. $1 billion. <laughs> Uh, yeah, for, for, and that's, that's just like the cosmetics market, which I think includes like all of that, like fragrance, makeup, deodorant, hair care, skin and sun care. It's a lot of freaking money in the market. And I think that it's going to be difficult for, as a consumer to really kind of weed through like what is pure marketing, like what's just like out there be, and there are buzzwords, right? Anti-aging, you know, not tested on animals, like natural and blah, blah, blah. Some of these marketing terms really don't have parameters around them. Just like organic doesn't have parameters around that. Yep. So people put natural, but it's like, but natural how? Like natural, like it's plant-based, like origins, right? Origins is plant-based. Or natural, like an animal byproduct, natural. I don't know. Uh, I, and so that's why it behooves us as consumers to become smart consumers. Yep. And she'll look a little bit deeper into these things that are out there for us. Okay. So Sarah, what are some of the reasons that we would use eye creams? Maybe okay. some people, some of our listeners don't. So my when my sister turned 30, she asked me <gasps> to be so young. No. She's like, okay, what's your one piece of advice? And I was like, buy eye cream. Use it. <laughs> Literally, that was my 30, you turned 30 thing. Did you now, gift her an eye cream for her 30th? Well, I didn't, but I didn't know she didn't wasn't using it because otherwise I would have made her use it like years ago. I've been using it forever. I've been trying different ones. So reasons why I've always had like darker circles under my eyes. I think it's my skin tone, and it's just it, that can also be because of genetics. Yes, I was but in conversation who, about that this weekend. Yeah, and people who are more olive skin toned usually have more of the dark circles. It's kind of like Gouda. Oh, the cheese. There's like a, yeah. Yeah, I don't like it. A little bit. <laughs> I like I like I like this goat cheese that we have yeah. here. We have two cheeses we're eating. We have a little bit of a goat cheese and we have a smokier one. I'm not a fan of the smokier French. I'm not sure that that goes particularly well with Grenache either. So anyway, sorry. Which Carry one? On. The smoky one. The oh, good at you one. Probably the other one's great. Yeah, the other one's awesome. I didn't realize this one was smoky. 
Sorry. Carry on. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so people with olive skin tend to have, you know, a darker under eye tone as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always been interested because I had that. And then I used to have allergies, so I'd get puffy. Oh. And so there was that. And then it was like, you know, I went to, when we were in college, we went to this like seminar and there was this woman who was like basically trying to market all these anti-aging skin products to freshmen in, in college. college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. But she was like, you know, you have to take care of your skin because like it's going to be your skin forever and all this That's stuff. That's a fair and point. And it's so true. Well, what's under your eyes is the most fragile skin that you have mm-hmm. on your face at least. And, <laughs> you know, you're squinting. I squint a lot. And I'm just like, where do pe- people see wrinkles? It's usually under the eyes. So for me, I've always focused on like trying to find the best eye cream. Okay. Like th- for all those reasons. Did that woman actually like instill in you like the, the, the goal of starting eye cream back when you were 18 years old? You know, maybe, I don't know, but I think my mom used it too. You know, I just, I started, I was just like, I'm going to use eye cream every day. And I literally use it religiously morning and night. It is, it is, and I've used several different kinds. And so as I talk to people, like, what are you looking for? So some people are looking more for like reduction of puffy eyes and dark circles. Some people are looking, you know, and that goes along with trying to look more awake. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and some people are looking to prevent wrinkles. And then there's the people that have fine lines and are looking to reduce the look of the fine lines. Yeah. So where are you at in that, you know, and then there's like... I've actually layered eye cream so far. I was just going to ask, like, so, like, what if you want to do all of the above? Yeah, so sometimes there's eye creams that are really good at doing all of it, and then there's others that, like, okay, well, I'm going to use this one at night to prevent my dark circles in the morning, and then I'm going to use this one in the day to prevent my wrinkles. Or I'm going to use, like, an eye depuffer in the morning Mm -hmm. and my cream at night or something like that. Okay. So there's different regimens you can use. Mm. Yeah, you can see that I've done a lot of this. (laughs) So what are some ingredients that you might look for in an eye cream? And we can talk also about the ingredients that you maybe should try and avoid. Sure. So I know obviously like vitamin C is one of the really popular ones out there. I get, I've actually started getting vitamin C facials. Oh, mm-hmm. you have. I did not know that. Yeah. So, and that's an antioxidant mm-hmm. and that helps reduce like any oxidative stress you get from like the sun, UV ray, like, like the pollutants UV rays and, and stuff pollutants. too, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And then um, peptides, which is now in something that I've been using, which also contains SPF. The mineral peptides um, are supposed to give like a good barrier, I think, to some of those other environmental mm-hmm. situations. So it helps protect, like create a barrier for your skin from the outside and keep the good stuff inside. Yeah. They also build collagen mm. and... Um, hyaluronic acid which you can also get as an ingredient because that's what holds your skin cells together and prevents wrinkles oh it's like glue and then like retinol right i hear a lot about retinol so i don't i avoid it okay why and a lot of dermatologists for eye creams will tell you to to try and avoid it or get low concentrations because your skin is so fragile there 
that it is a little bit harsh on that eye under eye skin. Now there's retinol in a lot of facial products yes. and some people need it for like acne and certain things, but typically you don't have that under your eyes. And so you have to keep in mind that that's like a really fragile area and you might irritate it more than you're benefiting it. Yeah. And it also makes you more sensitive to the sun. Oh, so oh. then you have to think about, okay, well now my skin's <gasps> drier so and I'm more sensitive to the sun. And so anyone using retinol on their face at all needs to think about that, but especially under the eyes, you know, and I know it's in a lot of facial cream because it helps with the wrinkles, but I don't think that the benefit out or the risk outweighs the benefit. I don't think the benefit like, outweighs the risk. To me, okay, so it's it's interesting that you say that because I, I actually did not, I was not aware of half of the stuff that you just said. <laughs> so thank you. No problem. But I did, I went to a dermatologist, sadly, it was like two years ago. Have not been since, am going at the end of next month. But anyway, I remember she prescribed me retinol and I remember her saying like, maybe use this and it's just like a pure like, Cream, right? Is it Retin-A? I don't know. I'm sure that... Actually, I think I threw it out. Because it, I, I'm sure that it has a shelf life. But I was... It was like in one of those like very medicinal tubes and stuff like that. And so I remember her saying like, this is going to dry out your skin. Don't use it every day. Don't use it before you go in the sun. And when yeah. she says that, I am like such a weirdo because I'm always like, oh my God, I'm terrified to go in the sun then. But it's like summertime. So what the fuck? I'm not going to stand inside. So... I kind of like didn't really use it that much and to be honest it didn't end up being that expensive from what she gave me but that was like more of like in the purest I guess form potentially because it was a straight up prescription it wasn't an over the counter thing whereas when I think you get the over the counter it's probably more diluted and less potent yeah. however still really good advice because I also I personally when I put face cream on, like lotion or moisturizer or whatever on my face, like I do it all over and I just like yeah, smear it all same. in and I'm like a child, like it's ridiculous. <laughs> but I like, I admittedly never thought about how Jamie avoid certain areas with that cream so that you can put other cream like under your eye for what's more appropriate. So it doesn't mean that you can't use a retinol product necessarily. If you want to use retinol product before you go to bed... Like around the rest of your face, you can just avoid that orbital area. Right. And then use your other eye cream. Well, also, if you're going to use a retinol product, you should really just apply it to the area that you need it. Like if it's like a little area on your chin, you really just need to use it there, not on your whole face. Okay. So like... So save your product and you have it longer, right? Yeah. And it... it, (laughs) Technically, I mean, most of the time it's actually pretty expensive to get the prescription. Yeah. Like a lot of prescription creams are very expensive. I feel like I don't know why. Maybe I had really good insurance then, but it's probably a good insurance coverage. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so those do those prescription ones do have higher concentrations Mm -hmm. of retin A. But I typically for your eye area, I typically avoid it. Now, that being said, there is a really popular eye cream, the ROC retinal uh, correction sensitive eye cream. Oh yeah, I've definitely seen that. Um, that one's very popular. You see it on a lot of different blogs and recommendations and all that on top eye creams. I have not tried it. Okay. But that's usually for people who have excessive wrinkling around the eyes is what it's really marketed for because it's supposed to visibly reduce wrinkles around your eyes, crow's feet, dark circles, and puffiness. And I don't know the exact percentage of um, 
retin-A that's in there, but they say it's a low concentration. So that might be more for more advanced people who, you know, are really looking to to kind more of... More advanced, like age advanced? Yeah. I mean, I you're so sweet about how you tried to go about saying that. I know. I tried to be nice about it. But if you're... That's the other thing is like if you're outside a lot, like let's say you do like summer camps and stuff for kids or like you work outside, you know... Um, or you garden a lot. Like these are all reasons why you might find that your skin starts to mm-hmm. seem or seems to wrinkle much quicker or that you have more of those fine lines like all over your face. Sorry, not being an asshole, but like not saying that you look old, but it's like that is those are common causes, right? Yeah. And um, in all honesty, it's a pretty cheap one. It's $17.95, which at least not on bad. Amazon, which is pretty cheap. But I have never tried that. And again, that is because of the retinol aspect. And they that. sell those. Those are more like drugstore. Like you can yes. get those at drugstore. Yeah, so. and I in this you can get it on Amazon too. Yeah. So okay. What else can you use for like dark circles? So I can tell you what I've used. Yeah. So uh, we can kind of get into that. For me, the cream, the eye cream that I've used usually I have I'm very particular about texture. Like I want it to be like silky. I don't want it to feel like thick when I put it on, like too cakey. Um, I don't want to have a residue after. I want it to blend in oh, well. Oh, totally. And moisture, like how much moisture do I feel like I'm getting? Because really that's what's going to prevent wrinkles is you're moisturizing that area. Also, you don't want to put it on and then you have to wait like 20 minutes before you can put the rest of your makeup on. Exactly. Oh. And there has been some like that. Yeah. Okay. I've used something like that too. Um, but so specifically for dark circles... So I would tell everybody who's like looking to even just start using eye cream who hasn't, a good one is Clinique, which is the All About Eyes. And Mm. that actually has not just for dark circles, but puffiness and it is moisturizing. So it kind of helps prevent the wrinkles. They do have a deep puffer roller ball and it's really nice because it's cool on your skin. Oh, I also heard people oftentimes put their eye creams in the fridge, right? Yes. Because of the, the, the coolness kind of helps depuff. Okay. And so, like, that has helped me at least, like, kind of when you do the rollerball in the morning, it really feels nice. Uh, I think Aveeno also has a rollerball deep puffer. Oh. Yep. But um, the Clinique one I've used, and I believe they have an All About Eyes one, and an, I can't remember the name of it, but there's also an orange one that is also, like, okay. um, a newer one that they have for deep puffing. Um, also the Clinique one is paraben and fragrance free, which I think is important because so fragrance really, there's no, you have no reason to have fragrance in your eye cream. There's no reason. It's no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, fragrance is going to, is a drying agent. Like it's going to dry your skin out. It's like basically made out of like ethers, right? And so yeah. usually, usually because fragrance can actually mean a lot of mm-hmm. freaking things apparently. And so that's something where it could potentially have a bunch of extra chemicals mm-hmm. because you don't know where it's derived from. It could certainly be natural and come from like essential oils or whatever. Yeah. But it could also come from a lot of stuff that is just counterintuitive to putting onto your face. It can be in, obviously, perfumes, like it's fragrance, cologne, conditioner, shampoo, body wash, and moisturizers. And so that is a big thing. You said paraben-free, too, which is something that I never really thought about until more recently. But parabens are preservatives yep. to pre- used to prevent the growth of bacteria, which sounds yeah. 
it sounds like a positive thing, but it's actually not because it actually mimics estrogen. Yeah. And so they found that parabens actually are associated with an increased risk of breast cancer. So honestly, like this stuff is absorbed through the skin. It's been identified in biopsies of breast tumors. And so, and it can be found in like everything, makeup, body wash, deodorant, shampoo. I know I recently, like within the last year, started buying paraben free shampoos like when I buy certain things like facial stuff, I'll go on like Sephora or Kiehl's website and they will straight up tell you what is not, what is included and what is not included yeah. in your product that you're looking at. So, and that's a great resource, I think. I agree. But yeah, th- those are all those things that they're like endocrine disruptors. Yeah. They just mess with your body. So it's great to have not good options that don't have those. So I feel like the Clinique All About Eyes is a really good uh, entry-level eye cream. It's about $35. That's no. not bad. No, and it's not. And Clinique usually has like pretty good portion sizes. And consider the amount that you need to use You need to use a very area. small amount each time. Yeah. So a little goes a long way when it comes to eye cream for yeah. sure. I've also used um, the Lacombe, Lancome Regenere, the Lift Multi-Action Eye Cream. Okay. Which I think was good. Um, it's it, They say that it's for lifting and firming, deflating bags, and fading dark circles. It does contain fragrance, though. Oh, okay. So I did stop using it for that reason. Okay. All right. Um, good to know. Good to know. Rodan and Fields. If anyone knows about Rodan and Fields, I yep. have used their Active Hydration Bright Eye Complex. It's in some of the top 10 eye creams. It's supposed to help with shadows, brightening, and a little bit of wrinkle. They do have another one that has retinol in it. Yeah, I have like a dual action brightening thing that has vitamin C and retinol yeah. that you use. They're separate tubes, but you use them together. Yeah, and I did not try that because of the retinol. Okay. Um, but the Bright Eye Complex, it was good. I wasn't, I thought it could be a little bit creamier, so I mm. actually stopped using that one. Okay. Because I was, I wanted a little bit more you like the moisturizing. Texture. Yeah. yeah. So I'll be honest, my favorite, and I've used Olay, I've used Burt's Bees, mm-hmm. I've tried those, which were great too, and I think those are great options when you go to the drugstore, same as Aveeno. I, I think Olay Ovino and um, Burt's Bees are all have good options out okay. there for just general trying to like get started. Yeah. But my favorites are Kiehl's. Uh, yeah. And I've used almost all their products. Right now I'm using the powerful wrinkling, wrinkle reducing eye cream because it doesn't have retinol. It has copper. It has calcium and caffeine, which all have been shown to help with state like the you know your um, yeah depuffing and your dark circles and the copper is actually like a peptide type of thing you okay so your mention of caffeine just made me think oftentimes i hear like oh you can put old coffee grounds or used black tea bags mm-hmm. on your eyes the thing that we're i have not tried this i hear i've heard about this but like i haven't tried it because i'm just like wouldn't it sort of like if they weren't completely dried wouldn't it sort of seep into your eye like i just don't know how you would like yeah. hold it up it i don't seems, know i think it seems unsafe to put like food stuffs by your eye i agree i think it's because it probably vasoconstricts yeah so i could see that why it would reduce the puffiness but they also have a facial cream that goes with i've that. used that and yeah. i've used the one it has spf in it too okay yeah, yeah which is important now the other ones i've used from keels i've used the avocado eye cream that's their most popular it's I just cheaper. It. I think 
I think the wrinkle reducing one's about 45. I think that one's like 30, 35 or something like that. Something around there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's the most popular. It's very hydrating. I think it's just used universally as a general eye cream. Their midnight recovery eye cream is supposed to be used at night to help diminish dark circles in the morning and then strengthen that skin. What I was doing for a while is using that at night. And then they have an basically like almost like an eye depuffer eye cream. Oh, really? In the morning. Okay. So it's called Eye Fuel. I was doing that in the oh, morning. Oh, yeah. You just showed me that. I, I've used the, the Midnight Recovery. It's good, yeah. but it's, I will say, because I also just got the avocado eye cream. Yeah. I feel like the avocado eye cream, it actually says like on the thing, like it stays in place and it doesn't like potentially leak into your eyes, which is great. Yeah. Um, the Midnight Recovery, I think was not quite as creamy. Okay. It was a little thinner, and so I feel like that just didn't it didn't soak up or stay in place quite as well. Personally, that was my takeaway yeah. on those two. But I lo- I did like both of them. Well, yeah, I think that I've used them; they're great. The other one I've used is the Rosa Artica. Tell eye me cream. about this one. Okay, it's probably the most expensive one. It's very thick and creamy. It's very luxurious feeling, and. So it's Rosa Artica is like, I guess it's a rare resurrection flower that can survive up to 31 hours of dehydration. So it's supposed to help with moisture. They also mix it with white birch extract and squalene, which is apparently their kind of proprietary blend. I don't know. Okay. But it's supposed to help with like instant brightening and smoothing and regenerating. Now, when I talked to the Kiehl's representative, when I went to the store, she did tell me that that is... That the the one I'm using now, the powerful wrinkle reducing eye yeah. cream, is actually a better anti aging one. Oh, now have I I use I've used the Rosa Artica one and I've loved it. Mm-hmm. Okay, but mm-hmm. now I'm kind of on the wrinkle reducing. I also think the wrinkle reducing one, it 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 blends in so smoothly that I can put my eye makeup on right away. Yeah, and it's like not a problem, which I really like. Oh, and totally. The Clinique All About Eyes is also good that way. But that's part of why I've been, I've kind of been using that one the most. And yeah. I, I like the way it makes my, you kind of get that tingly feeling. Uh-huh, I think uh-huh. it's like the caffeine, but you're like, oh, it's working. Because <laughs> you just feel it. Yeah. So, so I'm doing, I'm, I am admittedly doing some research right now uh-huh. on the pricing. And so the Rose Arctica Eye, they only sell a 0.5 ounce container online mm-hmm. and it's $46 compared to... The creamy eye treatment with avocado and the 0.5 fluid ounce jar is $30, whereas the nearly twice the size is $48. So that's the one that I bought. Uh, yeah. We sell just because like more bang for your buck, right? The, the one that I use right now is about $45. Um, I think it's the same size as the Rosa Art. Yeah, powerful but. wrinkle reducing eye cream. That is 0.5 and that's 43. Yeah. Yeah. So their pricing isn't actually that bad no. when you go on Kiehl's. And typically, I'll just say this, like if you order it from them directly online as opposed to going to Sephora or something, because there are other, like you go to like Macy's or something, I think some of them have Kiehl's um, and some Sephora locations have Kiehl's there, but you could also order online through Sephora. Yeah. I would say order directly through Kiehl's. Because they give you like three samples and there's usually like a coupon code to get like free shipping or a certain percentage off or something like that. So yeah, I would, that's my rec. So before we 
kind of wrap it up here, I would yeah. like to also say that there is, so the, this is what I've currently been, the eye cream ride I've been on is what we just talked about. But there's other ones that I'd like to try that I read about that I haven't yet. Okay. All right. Give us a quick list. Yeah. So um, there is the Peter Thomas Roth Potency Power Eye Cream, mm-hmm. which is supposed to have like um, vitamin C, furolic acid, which helps boost vitamin C, vitamin E, hyaluronic acid, all these ingredients that we talked about that yeah. are supposed to be great. Fresh has a black tea age delay eye concentrate hmm. eye cream that's supposed to be ultra nourishing and creamy on the skin. All right. So that look, that sounds interesting. And then there's this other one that I've seen at Sephora. I did try a sample. I wasn't sold on the texture. Okay. But it has really, I've read really good reviews, especially for dark circles. Okay, and what was this? Ola Henriksen Banana oh, Bright Eye Cream. I have cream. heard about that brand. Yes. So it's like a cult favorite, and it yeah. has vitamin C um, and collagen, and like there's something about the Banana Bright, like the banana that's supposed to help with this dark circle thing. So like I don't really know exactly what Are you that putting, is like, about. Mesh bananas on your eyes? I'm not sure. Okay, but it is yellow. I do remember that. Um, okay. So. Those are some that I have not yet tried, but would like to. I definitely almost bought the banana one, and then I um, didn't. Do you think that a lot of places are willing to give you like little samples? Yeah. I mean, I know Kiehl's will definitely give you. They usually have some samples. Okay. Um, but I think you just have to ask, right? Like, And most people will be like, oh, sure. Now, well, what if you're can getting they say? Them- no. Great. If you're getting them from the drugstore, that's a different story. Obviously, you can't really um, do that. But I think, I think, you know, I think it's balancing. I don't think you need to pay $100 or like $80 to get a good eye cream. I think that really, you know, even if you don't want to spend $50 or $45, you can go to the drugstore and get like an Aveeno. Oh, totally. You know, or, you know, like I said, an Olay or Burt's Bees or like something for like under 20 that at least you're using something. And yeah. I'm sure, you know, I've used them before and most of them are really good. Um, so, so really like takeaways, like it's obviously, this is such a delicate area of our faces, of yeah. our bodies that we definitely need to take care of it. Doing a little bit of research, a <clears throat> little bit of digging, maybe get mm-hmm. some trial or samples if you can, because... Like I have, I I have like potentially rosacea and I feel like that means that there are certain things that I can't use automatically because it's, it's like activated by certain products and things like that. So it's very beneficial if you have the opportunity to go in and talk to somebody who works for one of those companies and just ask like, what would you recommend? Mm -hmm. I mean, you figure like they go through these trainings to go uh, work there. It's not like they're stupid. Yeah. Like they know information. So also, you want to look at the percentage of the active ingredients. So, like consumer reviews, they have three that they look that they say are the highest because of the percentages of active ingredients. Um, the first one is Ageless, A G E L Y S S, restorative eye cream. Mm-hmm. The other one is the Olay Eyes Ultimate Eye Cream, um, and then the third one they have is Epiance Renewal Eye Cream. Mm. Um, so those are what Consumer Reviews has as their top three. Now, I've only tried the Olay one, but now I have to add those other two to my list. Now you do. All right. Yeah. 
Well, thank you for sharing all of your experiences. I, I know I appreciate it. I'm pretty sure our DB peeps also appreciate it. Everyone, um, go get eye cream. Go get eye cream. Let's all scream for eye cream, Just okay? Just get something, <laughs> okay? And if you, if, you, if you have a good one and you want to tell me about it, please email. Because <laughs> she will go get it. Yeah. Like, no doubt. And send me samples. I'm good yeah. with that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thanks. This Gerberos is real good. It's good. All right. Until next time, DB peeps. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you, so send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time. Cheers Cheers from from the the girls of DBP. DBP.